You're listening to Cloudies with a Chance of Scripture. Today, we're fast-forwarding a little bit. We're not going to cover every single verse, but we're going to stop where it seems right to stop. Last week, we were on verse 2, seeing how the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and therefore how the Holy Spirit partook in, in creating life with God, because the Holy Spirit is God. But now... We are going to, uh, well, first we're going to go right to the next verse where it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, we're going to fast forward to Genesis 14, 114, where it kind of expands on some of the light that God creates. And it says this, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heaven to separate the day from the night. And let there be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights. And this is this is the part that has always weirded me out about this passage. And I finally read a book last week that finally gave reason as to why it says it the way that it does. That, that makes a whole lot of sense. But but listen to this closely. I always thought this was weird. I don't know if it stands out to you as weird. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God, and God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and rule over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. Okay, we know the Bible's an ancient book, right? Uh, it's it's not from current times, but one of the most ancient feelings of this this book, especially of Genesis for me, was always the way that they described the great light and, and the little light. I mean, obviously, it's the sun and the moon, right? I mean, anyone who reads this is like, you you mean the sun that rules by day and the the moon that rules by night, and you stop and you're like. Nothing feels more ancient, feels more caveman almost, and be like, ooh, great light rule day and small light rule night. Uh, and, and that just always stuck out to me. Why don't they just say the sun and the moon? I mean, that's obviously what it is. Uh, we, we get it. Uh, but there's actually reason behind this. And as I said, I was reading this book recently that uh, uh, made a whole lot of sense, sense of it. If you want to read it for yourself, you can check it out. It's called The Star of Bethlehem. Science, History, and Meaning. Now, it's a bit of a dense book. The first half is uh, uh, all kind of really deep science behind what the Star of Bethlehem might have been. And the second half is more like supernaturally how uh, the Hebrews and the Greeks would have interpreted stars and understood their meaning and so on and so forth. So that book is by Michael Allen Pedham. You can check it out for yourself if you like, but we're going to dive into a portion of it today talking about the greater light and the lesser light, okay? Uh, so here's here's what you have to understand as to why they're called the greater light and the lesser light. In ancient times, people understood the stars in the sky to be gods, uh, and the reasoning really is pretty simple. As Michael Heiser points out, he says, you know, the stars moved, or at least from our perspective, uh, they move. They don't understand, of course, in ancient times that we're rotating around the sun and uh, that we're, we're rotating ourselves. So um, 
revolving around the sun, rotating ourselves, it gives the appearance that all the stars up there are moving. And of course, they're having their own little jaunts themselves. But uh, when things move, well, in ancient times, that's a sign of life. And so when they looked at the stars and they knew that they were up in the heavens, they were literally off the earth far away. The conclusion that uh, ancient people came to was that the stars were gods. And in other ancient literature, you see these um, these own creation stories with all of these, these gods uh, being these stars and whatnot. So when the Hebrews are writing their story, when they're writing about the one God, the God who has created all things, they are so cautious to not draw any attention to the ideas of, of other gods and false gods. They don't want those gods to even remotely be mentioned in the creation story where God is doing all the creating, it is all him, to the point that they're not even willing to call the sun the sun and the moon the moon, because to ancient people, these were gods. And, you know, the sun moved, the moon moved. And so here they are saying, no, uh, that's not the sun and the moon, as you people understand them to be gods. Uh, let's just separate ourselves so far from that language that we call them the greater light and the lesser light. And you'll actually find uh, quite commonly throughout uh, the Bible that there's not much mention made to the names of planets. There's not much mention made to like, you know, like Venus, Mars. You're not going to see those names pop up. Here, you don't even see the sun and moon pop up uh, because ancients had names for all these planets, for all these stars, because to, to them, they were looking at the gods. And that actually became a lot of what astrology uh, was about. Uh, it's something that's still practiced today. You see people doing horoscopes and things like that. God said to stay away from this stuff all throughout the Bible. He wanted people to stay away from uh, the reading of what other gods might have to say. And, and the Bible is actually very serious about it. It's a serious offense to look at witchcraft and and uh, astrology and all these kinds of means because they are not seeking after God. They're seeking after false entities. And actually, uh, when you look at the way in which uh, astrology still works today, you find that people are, yeah, they're looking at where the stars are positioned to try to to read something into it, but they're also trying to commune with uh, uh, their own false spirit guides, if you will, to teach them to read the stars. So, of course, when they look at the stars and they're listening to demons to try to explain how the stars work, you're going to come away with a demonic interpretation. You're actually seeking after the demon's answers as to how uh, how they should read into life, how they should read the, the stars, and therefore what uh, the stars have to think about them, what the false gods have to think about them. So when you look at the Bible and you see them say, stay away from astrology, you have to understand, like, this is not just like a, stay away from astrology, it's really stupid. No, the Bible understood, like, stay away from this stuff. It is not of God. It's not of Yahweh. It's of the false deities. Even though today we know that they're just burning balls of gas in the sky, all of the spiritual stuff that gets tied to it, even the communing with spirit guides, if you will, which are really just demons, even the communing with that in order to read the, the stars, like, that stuff right there, that's... That's a big no-no in the Bible. That's not communing with God. That's communing with demons. So we have to come to that understanding 
uh, as to how they understood it then and even today how it's still practiced. Once we start to understand that, uh, we can realize why the Bible writers were like, mm, the little, the, the greater light and the lesser light. Like, we don't want anything to do with the false gods and other things in the sky, uh, very rarely in the Bible. They're hardly there because, again, God's people are to have nothing to do with astrology and with the false gods. But the times that uh, such things do come up, it comes up when your characters are from outside of Israel. So the book of Job, for instance, uh, Job 1.1 says, There lived in the land of Uz a man blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. So in that passage, we see that uh, uh, Job is, is not an Israelite, and therefore astrology might be normal to him because he's outside of God's people uh, with the others who who might practice such things. So uh, with that being said, the Bible gives the space for Job being outside of Israel to make mention of Venus, to make mention of Orion and several other constellations. Uh, in the same way, once we get to uh, the Christmas story, you see the Magi, uh, that is the wise men, whatever you're, whatever you're used to calling them, they're chasing after a star. This isn't just like a star's hovering above uh, where Jesus was born, just like we see in nativities, you know, like a bright light hovering over it. Um, nobody knew about the bright light except the wise men, the magi. And traditionally, throughout history, wise men, magi, their job was to read the stars astrologically. So in some way, they came to the conclusion uh, that the king of the Jews had been born by reading the stars, um, but nobody else understood it who didn't read things astrologically, right? Because when they come to tell Herod, Herod's like surprised, like, what are you talking about a star, right? Uh, the whole city did not just see a star chilling out over a manger, otherwise they all would have flocked there to check it out. No, in some way, the wise men read the stars to understand uh, what it was communicating, and they followed it based on how they thought it was positioning itself. So all that being said, the wise men, the magi, they're outside of Israel, and so they seem to be able to enter the story talking about stars. Job, he's outside of Israel. He enters the story talking about stars. But when it comes to God's people, they are separating themselves from the false gods so much. They're separating themselves from the work of the demonic so much. They're separating themselves from astrology so much that they are unwilling, right in the beginning of Genesis, to even call the sun and moon the sun and moon. Instead, they call them the greater light and the lesser light. That's how important it was to them to, to be separated from all this. So when the Bible does talk about these things, often it's when they bring in characters outside of Israel. Otherwise, uh, they really don't get into these kind of talks because uh, the stars and the, uh, the moon and the sun and everything that they communicated in ancient times, Israel was to have nothing to do with. Now, you can see even more so uh, why the Jews thought nobody should have anything to do with astrology. In the book of First Enoch, which was an important Jewish book that informed New Testament writers, it was written between the Old Testament and the New, and the New Testament, but in this book of First Enoch, 
First Enoch says, how did we come to understand astrology in the first place? Well, back in Genesis 6, there were angels who came and cohabitated with humans. Uh, They procreated with women and gave birth to the Nephilim. This is all in our Bible in Genesis 6. But First Enoch expands on that story saying, while those angels were here cohabitating with us, they taught us things that we weren't supposed to know. In fact, they taught us things they were never supposed to know, uh, First Enoch says. And one of the things that they taught was astrology. So even the Jewish mind in Jesus' time, they understood like astrology, we have nothing to do with that. That was passed on by spiritual beings that were never supposed to give us that knowledge. We're never supposed to teach us how to commune with spirits to read the stars and all that. Because that stuff is is forbidden and it's outside of God's will and outside of uh, what God ever wanted for humanity. Uh, so astrology, things like that, it's deceptive. It leads you astray. One day Jesus will come and uh, repair all these things. The Bible even talks about him in reference to him overcoming the stars, right? Uh, in Revelation, you see Jesus holding seven stars in his hands as though to say like, you know, the other nations, they think the gods hold us, but uh, the other nations think the the gods hold Jesus. But here Jesus is saying, I, I hold the gods, I hold the uh, Uh, the biggest beings in your life. I'm in charge of them. And Jesus said when he came back, in fact, uh, let me just read it. I'm going to read Matthew's uh, version of it. Uh, When Jesus said, Jesus said when he was coming back, if we were looking for signs of the end times, he said, this is what we would see. Uh, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So that right there, that's not an image really of necessarily like stars like are dying. They're just blowing up in the skies. Uh, when you look at the word that he's using, you know, it's it's powers of heaven are going to be shaken. Paul talks about powers and principalities. When he does that, he's talking about spiritual beings that have power that are trying to destroy us uh, and are fighting Christians. Jesus right here is saying like in the end times, all of the false gods, all of the spiritual powers, all of the stars and the sun and the moon, everything that people have ever worshipped, like all of the corruption will be washed away and Jesus will restore everything in the end times where God will, will take reign and we will live with him and it will be this understanding of it is only God that we worship and all the false corrupt power is gone in the heavens and on the earth. So there you go. You didn't think we were going to get into all of this topic today, (laughs) Uh, just talking about the greater light and the lesser light. But, you know, we're reading an ancient book, as I said before. And if we want to read it well, we really got to get our minds into the way that the ancients thought. And the skies were a big deal for them. They did not have the conception of the planet being a, a ball, you know, a sphere. They didn't have a conception of us rotating, revolving around the sun, of us rotating in place. None of that was in their mindset. There was the heavens and there was the earth. And in the heavens, they saw things move. And so they figured those moving things were alive because living things move. So with that being said, uh, it, it helps you to understand just how strongly, once again, Uh, The uh, people of God have always separated themselves from the false entities, so much so 
that they refuse to even mention the name of the sun and the moon in the creation story because they know how much the people of other nations would confuse that and think that other gods were there helping in the creation story or that God uh, worked with their gods or things like that. They, they're putting all of that to shame to, to try to show people Yahweh is the only creator. He's the only God. All things come from him.